brought to you by RTBs. Straight from the streets. Hello everybody and welcome to Brumvagoon, your weekly dose of chats and stories about bicycle and bicycle adventure, together with you Stefano, as every week, or you can call me Calamaro, and on my side, as usual, my two sponsors, Wahoo, with Wahoo Elements and all the bicycle computer that makes my life on the bicycle pretty easier, and Isador that is protecting me from winter and rain and extremely cold weather that is affecting Berlin in this period, but thanks to Isadora this weekend it was a pretty great bicycle weekend. I've just been riding around with some friends at the Berlin airport and in the north of the city, but it's still amazing, it looks like we can kick off the new season. But you can also tell me which one are the things that I have to explore with my bicycle here in Berlin or closing the border, Poland maybe. We're going to talk a bit more about Poland today while sending me an email. Hello at calamaro.cc as my email or just write me on Twitter, twitter.com slash readcalamaro or Instagram, instagram.com slash readcalamaro. Click on the button of the follow button on the both of them. And remember also to click on the subscribe button on my Spreaker account, spreaker.com slash listencalamaro. If you want to listen to my podcast on your iPhone or Apple device, use Apple Podcast, the new name, Apple Podcast. Just write down Broomvagoon, you're going to find my podcast, and then you can click on the subscribe button to receive my content every Tuesday evening. Maybe afternoon. Every Tuesday afternoon. Today, as I was saying, we are going to talk about Poland and travel in Poland and Eastern Europe. Because I'm going to interview here, actually I already did, but I'm going to interview Max from Podia. I don't know if you know Podia.cc. It's an amazing blog slash travel organizing slash apparel sellers e-commerce. They are doing great stuff, and actually I got in contact with Max thanks to my episode that I did together with Bregan. Do you remember Bregan? I talked with him a couple of months ago. He listened to the podcast, and then he contacted me at my email, hello at calamaro.cc, saying, oh great, I've, list- I've been listening to the episode of Broom Vagoon with Bregan, and it's amazing, we are almost sharing everything, all the spirit of the bicycle. Yes, Max, we do. We had a call on Skype, we agreed that we are really sharing all the spirit of bicycle, and we went through an interview. The interview that is going to be live right now. And yeah, today I'm here together. I always I always have the idea that I'm starting it the same way, but it's like this, and so I would say the same as usual. I'm here today with Max from Podia. We are going to talk about content creation, bicycle travels, uh, bicycle roads in the Eastern Europe. But first of all, hi, Max. How are you doing? Hey, how's it going? Well, I'm super happy to have you here in my podcast. Thanks for having me pleasure it's a pleasure we actually had the first uh, talk last week and uh, it was an informal talk we got in contact with whatever we said look we are really really sharing the same spirit for bicycle socializing on the bicycle enjoying the good weather mm-hmm. yeah. and that's why we are here <laughs> it's great so yeah let's start from a small introduction sure yeah so i'm max um i co-founded podia uh, in 2014 and uh, it was initially started as a blog. Um, we were focused on uh, custom bikes and uh, interesting places and different places to ride them. We were based in Eastern Europe. We, uh, we built a following, a following because we were, I guess, some, somewhere different, somewhere new for cyclists. 
Um, we were creating a lot of imagery and a lot of films, which got us noticed. And that's really, you know, how the, how the blog started. Um, from there, we went on to, to, to create some cycling apparel. And then we went full circle and we came back and we're doing uh, adventures in Eastern Europe, in hidden Europe. But yeah, you are a cyclist now, I would say, uh, since ever. Uh, how did you meet the bicycle? What happened with, between Max and the bicycle? <laughs> well, uh, Bicycle Max had been hiding for a little while, I think. Um, I was always interested in racing and I remember um, going to watch the Tour de France with, uh, around my friend's house. Uh, he was an American, or had an American father. Uh, so I always remember watching uh, He Who Should Not Be Named and, uh, and Indoran and Pantani. And uh, I guess after a few years, like during my 20s, I kind of um, fell out, not fell out, just didn't really pay much attention to it. And, uh, you know, at some point I started getting back into cycling and uh, I, I briefly dabbled with triathlon. I liked cycling and I liked oh. running and I liked swimming, but... Uh, when I actually eventually put the three together, I decided that it wasn't, it didn't feel natural. So uh, in the end, I just uh, stuck to the bike. Okay. And uh, yeah, so at the beginning you were riding in UK, right? How was it that time? We're talking about before 2014. How was it that time riding in London city? Well, it was great. You know, I, I, I really got into cycling and group rides when the, when the Rafa Clubhouse opened, uh, before the days that people were, cyclists were a serial number. Um, but but it was uh, it was where I met a lot of friends, you know, and um, the community was great in London. Um, the club rides were great, and that's really what made me fall in love with it. Um, I think you know London is a place which has amazing community of cyclists, um, different, different places that people can meet, very bike friendly places. Uh, I guess the only problem is that it's maybe not the best place to actually ride. You know, it takes up to 45 minutes to even get out of the city before you're riding. You know, you can, to get to Surrey, Kent or Essex, places like that, you know, it, it takes some time to get out. So essentially London cycling becomes a bit like uh, park loops. You know, you have Richmond Park, Regent's Park uh, and Swains Lane. I remember, you know, I did the, um, the Etape de Tour and I spent, I think, uh, an entire year training on Swains Lane doing, you know, rep after rep just to try and get ready for, for some of the big mountain passes. Yeah, that's something that we have to talk probably about. I'm going to do the etap du tour and I need to train <laughs> here in Berlin, but we don't have any hill here in Berlin. Yeah, I know. It's going to be complicated. I need to come to you and uh, make some climbs together in Poland. But slowly, mm. let's go on with our questions. And uh, sure. it was in the period that you were there in UK that you had your, your first road bicycle adventure or it was just when you came on the Eastern Europe? As I got into cycling in, in London, I was visiting, you know, sportives or stuff. I remember the, the, the one thing that really stuck out was um, uh, the, the Tour, de, Tour of Flanders. Wow, we all uh, love it. All the people that I'm yeah. interviewing in this podcast have done <laughs> the Tour de Flanders and we all love it. Me, as my, myself, I did two or three times in a row. I never remember. Definitely a love-hate thing. I, uh, I've, I don't normally get headaches and I remember getting a headache halfway, halfway around the ride. But, you know, that was the first kind of real bike adventure that I had where it was, you know, me and a friend throwing, a, throwing the bikes in the car and driving across the channel to to go to this race and then seeing the pros the day after. I think, you know, that was that was a, uh, a standout moment for me. Yeah. Uh, which If I can ask you, which bicycle were you riding at that time? I had a titanium Van Nicholas. Wow. Super smooth for the cobbles. It was. But, you know, nothing, nothing, you, you, you can, you can read everything about how to ride the cobbles and, you know, 
hard power into the first sec- sector, but nothing can prepare you for actually hitting that first sector. And uh, I remember I turned a corner and I was completely unprepared. I wasn't going fast enough. I wasn't putting the power down and you, you can't get out. You, you know, you can't recover from that. And I remember, I remember the first sector took me forever. Everyone was going past me and I was just thinking, oh my God, today is going to be such a long day. <laughs> yeah, I just remember that the day before I did uh, something like a week before, let's say, I did my first Flanders. I was watching a video mm. from Museo and he was saying, never put your hands in the hoods there. Put mm-hmm. the, your hands mm-hmm. on the drops and go full gas or in the front yeah. bar. Never touch the brakes or whatever. Otherwise, you, you are going to destroy everything. I remember that I was yeah. so concentrating or remember these kind of things. First thing that I did, put my hands on the hoods. And then I said, no, <laughs> no stop <it's>, it. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you know, you read all these tips and advice, but it's, you, you have to experience it to understand, you know, you know, what to do. And I think it wasn't until like halfway around when I hit the, the Eau de Quermont where I actually worked out what I had to do and uh, and, and that was my that was my moment where I, I stayed on the bike and got managed to get around all the people pushing. Yeah, but just talking again something of topics how emotional is to ride on the old Quaremont. Really, I remember my first time I was riding on the old Quaremont, I was almost crying at the end. It's so mm-hmm. cool. So it's something really epic that you are doing. Did you have the same feeling? Yeah, it was definitely it's a really great experience because um you know there's so many people stopping and pushing and it gets you know really crowded. And I remember being behind a a, a Belgian guy who was shouting so loud and uh, and I was on his wheel. And uh, he, <clears throat> he knew I was there and he unfortunately came off, but, but he was just like saying to me, stay on the bike, just go. So I kept pushing <laughs> and pushing and you know, you get to the top and there's all the spectators ringing their bells and, and uh, yeah, that was a moment where I was like, oh my God, I did, I did what like so many cyclists behind me haven't managed to do, which was stay, stay on all the way up. No, it's- No, it's really something, you know, I really suggest to everybody to do it at least once in a lifetime. It's amazing. Yeah, definitely. I'm not sure about Paris-Roubaix. No, the same. I have the same feeling. I always say, okay, Paris-Roubaix, no, because it's just, at the end, the Tour de Flanders, we have some uh, small hill, some bounds, let's say, some walls that you have to climb so you can also go outside of the saddle. But really, Paris-Roubaix is only about shaking your bones, nothing else. <laughs> and destroying your bicycle, yeah. obviously. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the hoods on my on my uh, on my bike were never quite the same after that ride. There was always a little rattle that I could never get rid of. Yeah. But yeah, we were talking about then uh, the Max in UK. What about then your moving to Poland and then your kickoff of Podia? Yeah. So I, I guess the story kind of started back in London. Um, I, I was working in TV for a long time. Um, I was working as an editor um, and I studied architecture quite late in my 20s. And, I, and I'd figured that it was the, you know, the, my, my new career path, you know, my career destination. And, uh, and after I finished the, the, the studies, um, I went and worked in a practice for a year. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Um, I, w- I had to do a year there and I'll be honest, I didn't enjoy it. And I think that was the point where cycling became an absolute obsession for me. It was, you know, literally the only escape from, from what I was, you know, what I was unhappy. And uh, I, at the end of that year, I, I finished at the practice and, uh, and I really didn't know what to do. I was kind of lost. And I remember sitting with a friend, um, my friend Barney, 
who I'd met at, on those early rides around London. And I was sitting there with him and my wife, Magda, who's from Krakow in Poland. And at some point we, we joked that maybe, maybe we should just move to Krakow. And, uh, and the joke kind of got some legs, if you like. Uh, and, and within about two or three weeks, me and Barney were arranging a, a weekend uh, to come and cycle in Krakow with our, you know, taking our bikes in boxes. Mm -hmm. And, and th that's where it all started. I think um, that weekend really, if it, it, it was for the first time, it felt like I was uh, exploring somewhere no one else had been. Uh, it was, you know, like a proper adventure. It was something completely different. And, and from that weekend, uh, I was absolutely obsessed. I, I um, it wasn't long until we were making plans to move here. So yeah, yeah, go on, please. Yeah, so I think from from that point, we it was a sort of a period of planning, planning the move and. And we had this idea that we were going to create some cycle business. It was actually initially going to be a, a cafe here, a cycle cafe. So we'd spent a lot of time working on the brand and uh, and how it should look, how it should feel, you know, what it meant. Uh, and and then when we actually got here, I just started riding. Um, I met a lot of great local guys who I think they were so so bemused by this English guy that had come to Krakow to just ride his bike that they. Were They were all they wanted to do was just take me and show me new places. So every weekend was spent going somewhere else, and they were like, "Oh, you have to come and see this place, and you have to come and ride here. You have to go do this climb." And and that was that was just it for an entire summer. That was me being shown around by these great guys, and that was how the blog started. You know, the the we had an idea to do a blog, but the blog actually became about these guys showing me around where they're from. And uh, maybe, yeah, like I said before, I think it was um, the blog got some traction because we were doing something in somewhere people didn't think to go cycling. And um, we were picking up more and more followers. And then from that, we um, essentially we were we I designed a, a jersey, which we were wearing on these um, on these blog blog posts and these rides and pictures and stuff. And we were getting more and more inquiries about where people could buy the jersey. So, um, so at some point we sort of made the move to, to to make this jersey available, and that led to another jersey, and then people went bib shorts. So then, before we knew it, we were we had become uh, almost like a mini apparel company, uh, and that's how it went for a while um, until we. I guess I always had the in my head that um, we'd found this, you know, some great places to ride, places that people didn't think of. I had a lot of comments on you know social media people saying oh my guy looks amazing there so it was almost always kind of my intention to bring it back full circle and actually be able to invite people you know offer trips for people to come come and come and discover these places and and that was really how how uh, road ventures started yeah cool so yeah let's so um, uh, just to summarize you decided to go to poland to eastern europe because you were attracted by the landscapes and how cool it was to ride there then you started mm. to produce content in your blog then from producing mm. blog and making some picture you started producing some apparel so this was happened yeah. and then the travels just go into the travel thing i have a couple of questions over here over here so first of all i am super super uh, curious curious to know how the bunch itself look like how you collect the people how they behave together and yeah how is to ride with all these people and the other thing that i want to know maybe you can start from here why did you decide just to do this ride for a small group of people six or eight players um 
So I think I think the two are, uh, are connected. You know, um, we we wanted to have small groups. Uh, I mean, there are logistic issues behind having small groups, um, but I think you have uh, small groups, and it it makes it a, a bit more intimate, and it creates a better atmosphere. I think. Um, I think one of the one of the great things about the trips that we've done, have, every trip has had such an amazing atmosphere. Different, different from each trip. You know, a different collection of people. Different jokes, different um, you know, just different experiences. But every time has been amazing, and that's what really makes it super fun for us to do. Is that you know we look forward to the people we're going to meet, and I think that's you know indicative of cycling. You know, it's um, cyclists are nice people and they enjoy each other's company. And you know, when you bring a group of people together uh, with like with the same interests, uh, inevitably they're they're going to be um, they're going to have fun together. Um, you know, but there's no um, there's no emphasis on performance in in the road ventures in the podia travel. Okay. Uh, so although you know you're always going to have people that want to go harder up a climb, or they'll have fun by yeah attacking off the front of a group, and there's always fun like that. But we're you know there's always a good atmosphere, and it's always it's never done. You know, it's always done with with fun fun in mind. But the, the way we structure the, the, the rides, and, and this is, comes back again to why we limit it to mm-hmm. eight people, is that we um, we like to have a tight group when we ride. So we have we have eight guests and we have two ride leaders. Okay. So we always have one one guide on the front and one guide on the back. And and what essentially that enables us to do is that the the guy the, the ride leader on the front will go as fast as the fastest person in the group. So if they want to go up a climb and they want to test themselves, he'll be there with them. And then the guide at the back is always going to be with the very last person. So inevitably, on a lot of the climbs that we have in in these trips, is that your the group will be quite spread out. There'll be you know two people riding together. There might be three people riding together. There might be one person on his own, and they'll be spread out across the climb. But they'll always be you know within contained within the group. So no one's ever going to go out the back, or you know no one no one goes goes to the top first. And then everyone, you know, wait, waits to the top. We all reconvene, have a have a laugh, and uh, and off we go again. It looks like really a dream. A bunch of cyclists that are enjoying their company together, and they are not competitive, but they are engaging with their own limits. Yeah, no, totally. And that's you know that's one of the biggest um, you know that's one of the biggest challenges that we face as well because you know inevitably they're they're people that don't know each other, they haven't ridden together, they have different performance mm-hmm. levels, so. We have learned to be able to manage, you know, we have ways of managing people's expectations. So some people will come and they want to go hard up a climb. Some people are there to just enjoy it. Personally, I, I'm the type of rider who'll sit. I, I take pictures nonstop. So I'm, I'm happy to sit at the back and just go easy and take pictures of what's going on around me. And uh, so inevitably, I'm the one that rides at the back with people. Bicycle is enjoying the uh, enjoying yourself on the bicycle, enjoying all the situation around you and enjoying mm. people and also enjoying a bit the pain that is producing the bicycle and the climb. Of course, and, of course. And, and, and these are the reasons that people actually sign up to do these trips. You know, they, they come there for that specific reason. So it's, you know, highly unlikely that you ever get anyone there who isn't there to have fun. Yeah. I, I really like to stress on this topic. Why do you think people choose Podia to do their bicycle adventure? Why do people choose Podia? Um, Maybe I think we're doing something which no one else seems to be doing. Um, you know, it's quite easy to find a tour tour company which will take you around Tuscany or take you, 
you know, to the Alps or to the Dolomites. But, you know, I think we, uh, we're trying to do something a bit different. We're trying to, you know, you know, it's the road less traveled, you know, it's something different, hidden Europe, whatever it is. It's, uh, and I think these, these kind of trips maybe do appeal to people which, you know, are trying to do something a bit different. I think um, a lot of people have done the Dolomites, have done the Alps and maybe want to ride somewhere that their friends haven't ridden. Um, and, and that's the kind of people we, we attract, people that want, want to have different experiences, new experiences. Yeah. It's also a badge to put on Strava at the end. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should look into doing a, a special Why not? Strava. Why not? Special badge for Strava. <laughs> and, uh, I have a question that I want to link to this conversation. You were talking about new routes, new way that people usually don't go to ride on how did you decide which kind of routes is going to be for the specific travel the specific adventure are you going there to explore it or yeah it's it's a long process when we're putting together the the, the trips um i think the the routes are one of the most important things uh you know we have a lot of comments about how uh, unexpectedly good the the roads are and how good the surfaces are and how quiet the roads are uh and this you know this comes down to to the route selection. So, you know, the first classic trip that we did in the Tatra mountains, that was probably 20 hours of me driving around, uh, doing, checking a route, driving the route, amending the route, redriving it, photographing it, then cycling it. And, and it was, it was a long process because it was, you know, it had to be right. And, and, and that's it. You know, I sit here and obsess over roads on, on Google Street View. And then, then I need to go and have a look at that road mm -hmm. in the flesh. So, so I think it's a, it is a long process of, of recon. And we were, you know, we were lucky that in the first trip that we did, um, it's, it's close enough for me to be able to get down there to have a look at it. Um, we had the different challenge setting up uh, the new trip we're doing this year, which is Slovenia. Yeah. Um, and with that one, we're more aligned on uh, local knowledge. So we have some really great guys down there that are helping us, um, help, helping us plan. Uh, and we're due to go down again for our second recon, where we'll go and check updated routes and, and, and check for places that we're going to stop and to eat and to all that good stuff. Um, and, and then again, we've got, like, we're doing a gravel ventures this, this yeah, year on, in, in, a, in a wild place called Beskidniski mm -hmm. in Poland. And that brings up a whole new bunch of challenges. You know, normally, um, if you're trying to check as many routes and roads as possible, I would do it in a car uh, initially, uh, but that's just not possible on, on the kind of roads that we're going to be going on in this gravel ventures. So we've, we've actually, me and my, my wife and partner Magda, we've, um, we've been doing a lot of hiking down there this winter while, while there's a lot of snow to try and at least get an idea of, of how it looks. And then once the, once the snow clears, we'll be able to get the bikes down there and have a good look around. Yeah, I found super interesting the fact that you are going to Slovenia this year. I have been talking with a friend of mine, Simone, and he was telling me, look, you have to really to go there. Just the mountains between Slovenia and Italy are great, really great. And I'm super happy that somebody's trying to, to put a, visual, a, bit of, a bit of value over there. And yeah, now I can understand why mm. you are going there. It looks really... It's, no, it, it is it is a cycling paradise yeah, that place. It's great. Um, going back to uh, yourself, yourself personally, Max. Which one mm. are actually uh, the typical? So, um, 
the typical rides that you do uh, in your days, you know, you are now you move definitely to to Krakow and which are the rides, one, two rides that you do as your routine? I don't know how many times a week I hope a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I try to ride as much as I can. I, um, yeah, it's it's easy, not easy, but it's. Uh, I would say that riding daily for me is also a part of my job. I, you know, I I I do ride on these trips, and uh, I try to. There are occasions when I don't, when I'm normally with a camera in my hand, um, but I have to be expected to ride on these trips. So. Um, for me, training and being being fit enough for them is part of my job, I would say. So uh, I do I do yeah. try to ride a lot. Um, generally, I'll be doing you know sort of shorter rides during the week and then longer rides in the day, but uh, on the weekends, sorry. Um, but yeah, you know they're they're all sort of around Krakow, and and maybe if there's someone a friend in town, we'll take them to special places in in the in the Tatras and show them some of the highlights and okay that's your personal rides and what about your favorite road adventures then uh the the classic road venture it's the first one we did um and it's, mm-hmm. and it's on the borders of Poland and Slovakia uh, and typically that's a, a long weekend so it's from Wednesday to Sunday um okay. we pick everyone up from Krakow airport and uh, have have a small bite to eat and get everyone down to the mountains to what we have a like a really beautiful traditional log cabin uh, base camp uh, and then we we get there just in time to be able to get out for a sort of an evening warm-up sunset ride which is an amazing start to a weekend then we have we yeah. have you know sort of three full days which are it's all in the region but they're all different different day different uh, routes taking in different different places and views um, we have, uh, yeah, we have, we're staying in, in this timber, timber, traditional timber accommodation. I think it's 16th century or something like that. It's, it's a great little place. Wow. Uh, yeah. And it's, uh, we, we, we eat there, we have breakfast there every morning and we have a few dinners there. But then we also, um, we also have some really interesting stops. Uh, we have a place that we take people for dinner where it's, uh, there's a, it's by a metal sculptor who's basically spent the last 20 years uh, creating his own furniture. And it's, it's, it's a crazy place. It's like a, Aladdin's cave. Uh, and and wow. that always gets people excited. And then we normally finish on a, with a barbecue on the final night. With, with, with some beers and, and some celebrations. And then, uh, and then Sunday, everyone heads back. That's, that's kind of how a, a typical road venture looks. That's really great. And then between all these roads that you described me, mm. Which one is your favorite mountain to climb or pass to reach? You know, it's, this is a funny, going to be a funny answer because uh, I'm, it's back in Slovenia is my favorite place, but I've yet to ride it. I've been there three times uh-huh. and uh, on, in the Mangart, which is uh, probably the biggest climb there. And every time I've been there, I've been a photographer or a cameraman. And I've been in a van and I've been cursing because I want to be on the bike riding. So where's my bike? Yeah, it's so frustrating. And, and every time I say, next time I am going to be riding this. And I guarantee that next time I'm in a van. So this year is my year to ride the manga because it's absolutely stunning. I mean, it's one of the one of the best places that I've seen, uh, you know, seen in, in a bike context. It's, it's great. Cool. Breathtaking. Yeah. Going back to Poland mm. then. Um, how is actually the movement in Poland itself? 
people are riding, they are cycling all around. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it, it's growing every year. It's getting more popular and more popular because of, you know, there's there's been some good success with the pro riders in the last few years with, with Micah and Kwiatkowski. So I'm sure that's had an impact. I think, but it's also that riding is changing a little bit. You know, when I first came here, you know, almost four years ago, it was very competitive scene. Uh, people were there, you know, trying to go as hard as they could up of climbs. And, you know, when I came along, I was with this group of guys. We got very friendly because I think also I wasn't bothered about the fact that I wasn't going to be first at the top. And that okay. and it almost created like this relaxed atmosphere. And, and when we, you know, that came across when we made our first film for Podio, it was about, you know, two guys having fun and that there was competition, but it was friendly and it wasn't really about, you know, who was strongest. And, uh, and I think that's what's changed actually in the last four years is that there seems to be more and more people who are, who are cycling because, you know, they enjoy the company of others and that they want to have fun and they want to have a nice stop somewhere for coffee and cake. And, and it, it's not about, you know, going out there and doing your training sessions, you know, doing high intensity work reps or, you know, working at whatever, you know, um, power zones. Great. And still staying on the movement in uh, in Poland, which are your feelings and your thoughts about the Tour of Poland? It's um, it's also getting bigger and bigger every year, I think. It's, it's, it's a bit like the actual cycling scene. I think it's great for the, for the scene in Poland to have a World Tour event when you, when you have this um, coming every year. Uh, and they've had some really fantastic races in the last few years. You know, last year they had Sagan after he was... Uh, unceremoniously kicked out of the Tour de France early. So he decided to uh, to come to the Tour de Pallon to you know, keep his uh, racing up for the World Championships. And uh, I've been to quite a few stages before of the Tour de, Tour de Pallon. And I think uh, the stage that I went to down by Slovakia was something, dif- something completely different. The crowds were wild. It was like there was a superstar in town. It was, I've never seen anything like it. It blew me away. And I think, And that's, you know, that's good for the sport here, I, I think. Uh, I think it's unfortunate for the, the timing of the event that it falls just after um, the Tour de France. And I think there's been some occasions where it's actually overlapped slightly. I, I think people generally have a bit of a tour fatigue after the Tour de France. And, and, uh, and the Tour de Pologne seems like a you know, poor relative, maybe. Cool. And but that's something it's something like a question that is floating around, a topic that is floating around in all our conversation. Because you are mentioning all the time that before you were a video maker, content creator, you were working in UK for TV, and then you are a photographer. You like to to stop from time to time and taking picture during your climb or whatever. So you are also in the business of content creation. How do you see right now the content creation in the cycling world? Because we are all in the same business, let's say. Uh, we are all trying to share to the world that bicycle is not only wearing a fluo jersey, go on a 7, 8, 10k bicycle to make all the power on your legs and uh, to train for winning the Tour de France. It's also socializing and discovering other words or whatever. That's what we want to, to spread. How do you see the content creation in cycling world right now? The way people consume content is changing and it has been changing since we started the blog um, four years ago. Uh, we, we still love doing the blog. I guess that's why we, why we do it. But, it. but it definitely is becoming harder and harder to, to, to do that you know, kind of original standard blog 
uh, and especially it seems to be hard to get get things noticed these days you know with um the way facebook seems to be changing their algorithms on on how uh, media is shown in the timeline it's it's a it's an interesting time and i think uh, i think in the next few years definitely we're going to see some big changes but you know it, it's only a good thing right because you know for example with this podcast people consume podcasts because it's quite easy to listen to as they're traveling to work i remember you know my journeys to work in london were spent listening to all kinds of podcasts about cycling um you know i have a video background and and we've always enjoyed making making video content and i think that's something that we need to focus on more uh, and i've got some interesting stuff uh, in the in the pipelines with uh, some people like stelbell and and uh, reynolds who make the steel tubing uh so so there's you know that's that's it i think um content you know we love making content i'm i'm a i you know i i was a landscape photographer by passion uh and that's kind of why i maybe love taking pictures on the bike so much i think definitely there's a connection there so for sure yeah yeah and uh, the best and that's the thing that i always say the best landscape that you can take the picture of is the one that you earned mm -hmm. oh, yeah after all your all your pain and then you arrive to the peak of the mountains and then you can make an amazing picture on the landscape that's something that you will always remember and is it that's something that you can really take the spirit of mm -hmm. in a picture it's amazing mm. yeah definitely definitely um wanted to make you then the last question i would say and uh, it's about you know everybody of us has a challenge bicycle wise because you need to put some goals at the end of mm. your season and uh, i have for example the top to tour and then the top to tour started being uh became maratona delle dormiti plus top to tour <laughs> and i thought you know what it's really one of the toughest thing that anybody mm. can think about as a goal of your season but i talked with you last time and you told me that your challenge is even tougher than mine <laughs> tell me what so <laughs> the silk road mountain race yeah that's right um you know i i i always love exploring places i think um I, i'm the most happy when i'm getting lost and uh you know if whether that's cycling in you know bohemia in the czech republic or if it's the western isles of scotland or further afield you know i always want to explore Uh, so this year, yeah, I, I signed up for the first edition of the Silk Road Mountain Race, which is a, a self-supported uh, bikepacking gravel race uh, in, in, in Kyrgyzstan. So um, with 1,700 kilometers, I think it is, and, and 26,000 meters of climbing. Okay. Thank you for saying this thing in uh, in, uh, in kilometers and in meters, man. I really appreciate uh, do you it. You know what? I only do it. Cycling should only be done in those in those terms. Uh, thank Even you, thank English, you. man. That's, it should only be done in those terms. <laughs> okay. So um, so yeah. So it's quite a big uh, it's quite a big goal from 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 me. Um, I think I'm most looking for. I think 15 passes are going to be above 3,500 meters. So uh, so it's going to be pretty tough. But, uh, but, you know, I'm going to be going there with a bag full of cameras and my, my goal really is to make a, a documentary about it. And, uh, and I'm, my plan is to also start making some, some content in the lead up to it about, you know, how I'm preparing for it, what kind of kit I'm taking. Um, and, and, yeah, I hope to make a kind of a, a bigger story of it. I think it's, it's, for me, it's not only a cycling goal, I think it's quite a poignant, poignant part in my life. Um, I spent a lot of my 20s maybe 
wasted playing video games um, and hanging out. And I, I discovered cycling sort of late in my twenties. And uh, I think much of much of what I am inspired by now is to actually be able to get out there and, and get on an adventure. And whether you know it's, it's taking yourself out outside the comfort zone. And I think um, I think that's only a good thing. I think more and more people should have an adventure, whatever that adventure is. I actually can mirror myself a lot in your story because for me it was the same. I was passionate about bicycle when I was a kid. I was watching the races together with my dad. Mm. And then I started saying, nah, come on, who needs the bicycle if you can have a car? And then <laughs> yeah. going out, yeah. hanging out, playing video games, mm. like you were saying, uh, drinking beers or whatever. And then at a certain point, bicycle, it's something like crash into you and you have a crash mm. about it. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, then you can do without anymore. It's something you're really way of living. I, you know, I love hearing people's stories about, um, and I love meeting people just in, in starting their journey in, into that cycling world. And, and you know, the the passion that I was, I was soaking up content as fast as I could when I was uh, first getting, you know, when I was sitting in an architecture practice, getting absolutely obsessed by it. Um, I was probably spending more time soaking up cycling content than I was actually doing drawings. Maybe that's why uh, it didn't go so well. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can feel exactly the same problem. Then we can talk offline because everybody knows already <laughs> uh, which one was the story of myself crashing into bicycle. Yeah. But that's something. It happens all of a sudden. Mm. You cannot do without anymore. You're just addicted. Yeah. But it's cool to be addicted to something cool as the bicycle, healthy as the bicycle is, exactly. and that can open completely your your mind and your landscape. Yeah, but and I, think, I think it's also more. a social thing as well. I think, you know, the, the friends that I've made through cycling um, in the past decade have been, you know, one of the first guys I met on a, on a group ride is still a very, very close friend right now. And I, I always remember those days... Bringing all the different people together from different walks of life, different professions, I think that's what makes cycling maybe so interesting is the, is the range of people you, you can meet. Yeah, it's the same thing that I can tell you is that really my best friends are the ones that I can tell them, okay, tomorrow morning, let's go for a ride, we can have a talk. Mm. And not only the ones, okay, let's have a beer outside mm. and just meet, mm. you know, the real friends are for me are the ones that I, they became friends with me because we grew together the same passion or we grew together with a bicycle mm. or we just met because of the bicycle. Or you, and that's or you experience something, you know, when you, when you, you suffer together and, and it, and it, sure. and it changes you. I, I, I know, um, uh, end of last year I went with, uh, uh chimpanzee Andre and, uh, another couple of guys. Uh, and some guys from from Ass Savers, and we we did a ride around Bohemia, uh, and there was three guys that I'd never met before. But the mm -hmm. the the experiences that you go through in in one or two days of riding, and it feels like you know that person in a different way. I think there was yeah. one day in particular where it was such a impossibly hard day of riding, and we were completely one hundred. Um, percent spent by the end of it but sitting at the dinner table that evening you know just with enough energy to lift a beer uh, it felt great and everyone was you know so happy and and special friends after that maybe yeah 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 actually usually i ask to my guests if they want to say the last thing before to say goodbye to my audience but i think that you already said something really important <laughs> perfect perfect 
Dan, Max, it was really, really a pleasure. I hope actually to see a lot of content coming from you. I can't wait actually from your story on the Silk Road Monterey's. I really can't wait to see your preparation, to see how you're going to find yourself there, how you're going to ride there, also the landscapes and the picture that you can take out from there. I really can't wait. And uh, I hope, uh, yeah, I just can tell you good luck for your preparation to that and also from the season of the travels. And uh, yeah, it was really a pleasure to talk with you. Anytime, man, anytime that you want to add something, you want to tell me a story for a new travel or whatever, Excellent. you know my email. Send me an email and then we can talk again. I think that the people also enjoyed a lot of our chat. Great. Today. Thanks for having me. It was really cool talking. It was a pleasure. Ciao, Max. Ciao. And thanks again, Max, for this chat. It was lovely. Really, really lovely. I think I need to wrap this episode because everybody told me that probably is better for me to have smaller, shorter episode around half an hour. This is going to be 40 minutes. We can live with it. But I can't wrap without, remember you, which one are my contact? Hello at calamaro.cc. That's my email. Twitter.com slash readcalamaro, my Twitter account. Instagram.com slash readcalamaro, my Instagram account. That I still need to change the name. So guys, send me a couple of suggestions on which name do you want to... Yeah, read on my Instagram account. Probably I have already an idea. I will let you know. And thanks again to Isador for his amazing clothing and Wahoo for the amazing element that is the best companion for my bicycle. Please subscribe on Spreaker.com slash Listen Calamaro and on Apple Podcasts. Broom Vagoon and then hit the subscribe button also over there. Thanks a lot and enjoy your weekend of riding and also a bit of sun. Enjoy the sun. Bye, guys.